Hey, welcome to the First Two Entrepreneurs podcast, where we feature first responders that are also entrepreneurs or running business on the side. We are here to showcase these businesses, but also talk about the difficulties running a business while being a first responder. My name is Ryan Ballard, and I'm your host. In today's episode, I am super excited to welcome Joe Cummings. Uh, how are you, Joe? Doing good, Ryan. Thanks. All right. Um, happy to have you on. Joe is a, a police officer, our first police officer that we're having on the show, which is kind of cool. Um, Joe is from uh, Parker, Colorado. He's been in that police department for a little over 25 years and um, has a business called International Mounted Patrol Training and Tactics. So we're going to dive into Joe's past, present, um, what he plans to do to do in the future with the business, and um, we'll go from there. So I'm um, happy to have you on, Joe. Thanks, Ryan. Happy to be here. You know, we uh, again, you're the you're the first uh, first law enforcement officer we've had on the show, which is kind of cool. It, it only took uh, it only took a few episodes, but um happy to get you on and you know talk a little bit about uh you know law enforcement community and um you know what you have what you have going on in parker and then you know obviously your uh business as well so um starting in the beginning uh, you know what led you to get into the uh to get into law enforcement i know that you spent a little short stint in the fire service so i kind of want to hear uh beginning of your story there I've always wanted to be a a cop and um, I don't have cops in my family. Uh, I don't, I don't know why my mom used to tell me the story that when I was a a little kid, probably three or four, uh, she took me up to uh, some Orlando, Florida police motorcycle officers. And I talked to them and uh, she used to tell me that I was hooked ever since then. So, um, and I grew up in Orlando, moved to Colorado when I was 15. Uh, When I was 15, I got uh, into a police explorer unit. And uh, here in Colorado, and uh, did that until I was 21. And um, when I graduated high school at 18, I joined the uh, volunteer fire department in my town. And it's now combined into a pretty big career department. Um, and um, you know, went to EMT school, was an emergency room technician, and uh, can't be a cop till I'm 21, so have to have something to do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, really enjoyed the fire service. Uh, was considering going down that road, but uh, for whatever reason, I, I stuck to law enforcement. Uh, so I pinned on the badge two days uh, after I turned 21, and uh, that was 38 years ago. Wow! So uh, long, long time. It, it's been it's been a good run. Um, it's coming to an end in March. Congratulations! That's awesome. Thank you, and uh, this, that's the reason I'm uh, kind of pursuing my business interest. Yeah. I've been in the grant department for 25 years. I uh, started the mounted unit in 2016. Um, I did 10 years in SWAT, uh, came off SWAT in 2010. I was uh, came off as a sniper team leader. Uh, I got a pretty extensive background in, in firearms, too. I, I really enjoyed firearms training. Um, I currently teach at uh, two local police academies as well um, in firearms. And uh, uh, I've been a, a sergeant, I'm a patrol sergeant, and I've been a sergeant for about 12 years. I run a patrol team of, of great guys. And um, awesome. it, it's just, when I say guys, guys and girls. And um, it, it's been a good run. I mean, uh, you know, I've got a lot of cool things to hang on my wall, I guess, and uh, had, some, had some good stories along the way. 
I'm yeah. sure. But uh, I, I got into the mounted world. I've been riding horses most of my life. Um, I used to show horses and, uh, you know, like, like they say, horses and guns, God bless America. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my department has been very, very supportive of not only allowing me to pursue my firearms interest, uh, but the mounted unit. Um, so we started in 2016. We're, we're an accredited agency. And then I became a, a, um, an accredited mounted police instructor in 2018. I'm actually one of the lead instructors in the Denver metro area. Um, I'm on the board of directors for the Colorado Mounted Law Enforcement o uh, Officers Association. Um, I've also just hit my five-year mark uh, on the board of directors for the North American Mounted Commanders Association. Wow! So I do a lot of that stuff. Um, I, yeah, I don't. I, I don't do. I don't know if I'm going to do retirement well. I don't like to stay bored. <laughs> uh, and then I, uh, so I do a lot of training. I, like I said, I'm one of the lead trainers in the Denver metro area for several several different agencies. And you know, not that I'm some great horse trainer or anything. I, I tell people, I said, yeah, I'm kind of an average horse trainer, but I'm a pretty decent people trainer. Awesome. And, <laughs> and uh, so here we are. Um, you know, and I'm uh, gonna, like I said, gonna retire in March. But uh, people kept coming to me wanting help with their horses, wanting training one and you know and so i started teaching some of these um basic and advanced mounted schools and i just i just enjoy it so much and my department again if you know if you want it with most departments they're going to help you get it and my department i just can't say enough about how they've really helped me achieve this that's fantastic and uh, so i decided well i can barely log on and check my own email but let's start a business and uh, and here we are <laughs> That's that's awesome. Um, you know, you 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 said you you've been riding horses since you're you were a teenager. Yeah. Uh huh. Awesome. And then, um, as far as starting the mounted patrol division, um, you know, in your police department, um, what kind of were there any specific hurdles you had to overcome? Um, I mean, obviously we're dealing with uh, a horse, right? So right. you know, we're talking about um, you know, stables and and. And everything else that you gotta, you know, you gotta find space for, right, in your community. So, uh, were there any hurdles that you had to overcome in, in regards to that? Yeah, there not not really hurdles. More, um, you know, pick which road to go, go down. Um, now, in our agency, in most agencies in in Colorado, and you'll find this uh, through smaller to mid-sized agencies throughout the country, the city doesn't own the horses. Hmm. Um, we own our own horses and then we contract them back to the city. So I have a contract with my city that um, I get a little extra compensation. I, I say my, my horses make some money um, while we're working. And then if, um, you know, if anything should happen to them vet wise or something, then they'll take care of them on duty. Um, we also have a nonprofit group uh, called COPS and it's a kind of a department wide group that supports our canines, our officers, our wellness programs. Um, and they help with some of the some of the expenses. So actually, the way we have it set up is, other than the initial expense of uniforms and um, and uh, saddles and stuff, we really run it at a zero budget. Uh, hmm. um, I don't, I, I, you know, the people see us out there and they say, "Wow, this must be expensive." I say, "Well, not really. It's kind of a labor of love. <laughs> um, it's expensive for me." Sure. But, and so we. Uh, once we got our financing and, and um, how we're gonna how we're gonna do this, then you know the next step was to obviously have have horses that will will do the job. 
Um, mm-hmm. and that's, um, you know, I've been told that a sailor has a better chance of becoming a seal than a horse does having becoming a police horse. It, it like the canines there, it's there, you know, every German shepherd can't be a police dog. Sure. And, um, you know, so you have to look for the right horse and then you have to take them through a basic school and they, they're kind of on, you know, probation, if you will, for a while. And, and they got it. I think it'd be pretty rock solid. Yeah. And so we lined out our training. We lined out our finances. Um, we looked at the scheduling, um, how that's going to work, especially me being a supervisor. And um, like I said, the department was very supportive. Uh, then we had to align our policies with, uh, with Kalia accreditation. And um, we got it all lined up. And uh, next thing you know, I'm riding horses. <laughs> how many uh, officers do you have in that particular division? At our, in our department, we have two, um, okay. and then um, the other agencies around have two to seven. Uh, oh. we, we've, um, we have a cooperative agreement, if you will, and mm-hmm. um, we all work together. Like, we'll have an event out here, and I'll put four horses, um, you know, to patrol this event for, for two six-hour shifts uh, for full coverage. And I know the one area we had um, – some uh, it was it's a local carnival type deal in the summer and we had quite a few issues we decided to start utilizing horses down there and uh, calls uh calls for service dropped in that area uh, by 98 percent wow yeah even drunk people don't like 1200 pound cops <laughs> that's impressive <laughs> so it's it's been great and you know we uh we patrol our parks and trails uh we carry aeds in our saddlebags mm. uh you know, which is, which is nice. Um, and, uh, people just love it. It's, it's, it's a great asset. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, so you, you were obviously started this, uh, mounted patrol unit. Um, you were also, it seems a subject matter expert on a, uh, uh, a house legislature bill that was passed in Colorado. I was my uh, myself and my uh, good friend of mine who's retired, Larry Murphy. Uh, they there was a, a a house bill protecting the police horses, similar to the the police dogs, mm-hmm. and and the way it was written, it was very. It, it couldn't have been the language in it. It was not enforceable, um, and uh, so um, we got with um, uh, one of the attorneys, the El Paso County attorneys. We rewrote the, the wording, and um, then they called us up to the um, Colorado State Legislature, have us testify. We were sworn as a, and as experts and had us testify in front of the House Judiciary Committee, and, um, and we got it passed, and the governor signed it into law. So uh, horses, police horses in Colorado are now protected under law. Wow. That's awesome. Very so, cool. And I got a chance to do some other writing. Um, you know, some other parts of the world. It's kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what, you know, as time went on, you're, you're obviously your love for horses and, and riding and um, then incorporating that into uh, police work. Um, you know, it, it eventually led to your decision to form a business, right? Right. Um, what, what was, what was your driving force behind that? I mean, obviously we laid out a couple of things um you know just now reasons why but you know what what pushed you over the edge to actually make the leap 
You know, I looked at what was out there available and and don't get me wrong, there are some very good trainers out there and there's there's other people doing similar to what I'm doing that are that are really good at it. Um, it so I'm not trying to uh, capture some some market. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a need for it. There's unfortunately, and I ran into this in the firearms industry, is there's a lot of people out there preaching a lot of things um, that are more than willing to cash your check um, that, that really aren't providing the quality training. And I just saw that while there are a few people out there doing some very high quality training, there's not many. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of those people doing that, um, you know, I thought, well, you know, maybe there's a, a niche in here for me to, to, to go. And one of the things I provide with the other departments where since we're a CALEA accredited agency, I don't just provide training and get their units going. Um, a lot of, most of what these agencies needed was someplace to go and someplace to, to go for policies and procedures. And, and that was our biggest getting started. It took us a year to develop that. So sure. when, you know, when the chief says, okay, let's look at this mounted unit, eight to 10 months later is not the time where you put a proposal on their desk. <laughs> so, so I'm able to help these agencies kind of, kind of, um, you know, develop some of that behind the scenes type of stuff. And then um, in the civilian world, a lot of people will come up to us and say, how do you get your horses to stand there? And how do you do that? And, you know, I thought, well, you know, I, I can open this up to the civilian world too. And um, uh, when I came back from Canada, I was uh, selected to ride for a two week, two and a half week seminar with the Royal Canadian Mountain Police Musical Ride. So I trained with them for a while. And when I came back to Canada, I had a, a, a lot of people saying, hey, can what can you teach us some of this stuff? Hmm. I don't know if I can teach you, but I can probably get your horse there. <laughs> and then there's a, you know, there, obviously in the, the world we live in, there's some safety issues yeah. uh, on trails and in parks and stuff. Uh, I was in France in um, in March this year. And um, I was training at L'Académie Nationale de Gardes Equestres, which is in Southern France. Uh, in a mounted system of self-defense and arrest control. And I was training with um, a French and the Belgian instructor and, uh, and, and they're, they're great. And that business is, you know, if anybody's in Europe, that that's the place to go. We're writing beautiful Andalusians and uh, um, Mr. Stanley Ledoux is uh, their lead instructor and the owner of the business. And he's a practitioner of, um, of uh, um, a form of jiu-jitsu. It's a, a based on the samurai martial art of the horsemanship. Hmm. And they, they have developed their system of self-defense off of that. And so I was, as far as I know, the first uh, police officer in the U.S. to be certified in that system. Um, wow. So I'm able to bring that to my business um, and, and teach, um, you know, uh, folks that want to go out on the trail. No, I'm not teaching them to be horse ninjas but just some real basic avoidance techniques and how to stay safe and how to use your horse as a partner to, to keep you safe. And yeah. it's cool. And, uh, and I was teaching some, uh, some stuff in Ukraine as well. Um, I'm a department of justice contractor. I was in Ukraine before the invasion and um, we were training. I spent uh, June of 2021, 2020 um, in Ukraine uh, with the U S state department and two other instructors uh, standing at the Ukrainian National Police Force. And uh, so that experience in itself, and they're amazing people, uh, I, a great horsemen, just 
I made some really good friends in Ukraine and I can't wait for all this mess to be over so I can go back. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so I, I, I kind of through just enjoying this, picked up some things throughout the world that I, I thought I could bring back. And, um, you know, my girlfriend is a very driving force in what I do. She's very supportive and, um, you know, and she's always supporting me and, and, uh, you know, and that's very blessed to have her in my, on my side. And, uh, you know, I just, with these experiences throughout the world to bring them into one place, I just felt like I, I had something to offer and why not get paid for my time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's so cool. I, I'm glad you touched on the Ukraine um, bit of it and, and France, you know, I wanted to um, a see if you were in there prior to, you know, the invasion and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's cool going around the world and, you know, whether it was Canada, whether it was France, the Ukraine, and gathering a bunch of um, basically, but just a bunch of information and, and techniques and, and things to come back to um, mold into your own training system is is really cool. Um, and, it, and it gives you a very unique um, training uh, regimen, right? Because now you're taking bits and pieces from all over the world. Right. And now applying those to what you already knew and what you've learned here, you know, in the States and in Colorado and making into this really cool, um, training system, you know, that, that you right. put together. It, it is, you know, and, and, uh, um, you know, I, I train, I have all of my lesson plans because I'm, you know, I'm a Sergeant. We like documentation <laughs> and, um, you know, and as you know, in the fire service, you go to these, uh, you go to these training classes and sometimes you have instructors that it's like, dude, please leave your ego mm -hmm. at the door. Um, 100%. And we don't, we don't function like that um, as humans. You know, we, we learn when we're enjoying what we do and it's relevant to what we do and it's what we like. And, and um, you know, the, the couple of people that I use as, as trainers with me, it's like, we're not training with egos here, folks. I mean, we're all on the same team. And um, so we, our our model is just bringing a real kind of a relaxed but serious and always safe um, product to our customers. And, you know, like I said, I just started this this year. So this has been a, a learning curve for me. And uh, it just seemed, it seems to be working. That's awesome. Uh, you you mentioned something a couple of minutes ago about uh, support systems, right? Uh, your girlfriend supporting you, um, you know, I'm sure you have friends and, and other family members that support, support you along the way. Um, I think it's a very important thing to, to have because entrepreneurship, whether you're a first responder or not, can be lonely at times, right? Because, you know, you're, you're in business, you're, you're trying to get the business going, you maybe you maybe took a step back from uh, parties or, or get togethers, or maybe you took, hey, I got to I have a training class today. I can't, you know, go to X, Y, and Z. Um, you know, so it could be lonely for for people. And, you know, having it that support system in place is a huge um, uh, benefit and um, driving force to a lot of entrepreneurs, whether you're in public safety or not. Um, and it, it's important to have that. I, you know, I've been blessed to have um, a very, uh, or an awesome support system myself. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what I would do, you know, without that system. Cause I, 
yeah, I, you know, it, it can be lonely sometimes because you miss stuff and knowing our schedules, right. And I'll bring, bring the public safety aspect back into it. Right. We don't have conventional schedules. You know, we're working weekends, we're working goofy hours, you know, especially in the fire service, we're working, you know, at least in our area, 24 on 48 off and some are 48, 96. Um, do you guys work uh, eights or twelves? By we you? work tens. We work fourteen tens. Okay, yeah, which isn't a common schedule, right? Um, right? And now you're trying to run your business on top of that. So yeah, it's got it's got its host of challenges. That's for sure. It does. Um, a lot of people, you know, I, I ask this question every guest, and um, if you could pick out something that you've struggled with, you know, while trying to maintain you know your business in the in the most uh um efficient way and then also now you're you're balancing your career and now you're balancing your personal life as well so is there any um or one thing that sticks out in your mind that has been an issue for you in the last uh, year or so the well the, the issue for me is um a lot of it has been self-confidence. Um, you know, you hear all the time about small businesses failing. Yeah. Um, I don't fail well. And um, so so what I did is I kind of really delved into, well, why are they failing? And, you know, a lot of it has to do with high aspirations, um, mm -hmm. which are not bad, or maybe I should say unrealistic uh, um, expectations. Uh, you know, you're not going to be a millionaire in six months, typically. Yeah. Um, you know, start small. It'd be nice. Yeah, it'd be nice. Um, <laughs> starts, you know, start small. And and for me, really, you had, you know, write out your business plan. And then um, what really helped me also was because, like you mentioned, our goofy schedules is right on your calendar, you know, from the, on this day, between this time and this time, it's business time. And that way, everybody around you knows that, you know, I'm going to be working on the business now. And, um, and it, it really kind of keeps you on track, uh, you know, and, you know, you guys are the same way you could get a thought sit behind your computer and all of a sudden, well, now you're going out on a call and, yep. you know, and, um, so that, that with me was, was learning that aspect because I don't have a business background. I've been in emergency services my whole life. And so learning how to, to juggle my schedule to, uh, to create what I need to create to get the business going was, uh. That was that was difficult. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I think you share that sentiment with pretty much everybody I've talked to, including myself. Um, you know, it's it's tough, you know, to balance that to balance that time. I mean, you know, we're so you know, most people in public safety are so dedicated to their careers, you know, we're not just doing your your shift and going home, right? It's right, you're on this committee, you're on that committee, you're helping out with this, you're helping out with that. So it's it's a lot that you're giving to your career. And now you're giving a, a huge chunk of, of yourself to this business as well. And, you know, time, it, time is a time is a bitch, you know, there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, it's I, everybody I've talked to every guest I've had on even outside of the podcast, um, you know, others that I've talked to, they all really talk about the same couple of things. And time was at the top of that list. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up the calendar. Um, I've said this before on a few episodes and, uh, the calendar is such a, uh, lifesaver for me personally, because I, I don't know what the hell I would do without that thing. I, 
everything goes on there. You know, I actually have two different calendars. One's business and uh, charity work that I do. And then the other one is um, my personal stuff and then fire department stuff. Right. Sure. And um, I, every day I'm, I'm looking at that thing multiple times a day. And God, if I, I mean, if something happened to the cloud where all of this, this stuff is stored, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> you really have to, you really have to be able to manage it. And, um, you know, and you got to manage your finances too, because depending on what industry you're in, um, it can add up very quickly, the little costs. Uh, and I think you, you really have to, to sit down with, um, you know, whoever goes over your finances with you and, uh, Cause you could, uh, you can really sink a lot of money into to a project and not have much of a return if you're not careful. Oh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, you know, doing your homework prior to, you know, launching the business is important. Um, you know, I, I had a guy ask me not too long ago that he came to me and he said, Hey, Ryan, what, what would you do? Or how long did it take you to research what you wanted to do in your business? And I told I'm I'm typically one to to really dive into something, even if it's buying a TV or you know car or whatever. Um, I typically am that type of person that would dive in and okay, I'm going to look at all the specifications. Um, I'm going to look at this, 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 and this, and I'm going to make it an informed decision. And with the business, I definitely did that, especially trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do something. I just didn't know what and something I could do from home. So I wouldn't take more time away from my family and, and, and stuff like that. So when I ended up coming up with something, I, my, my research almost stopped there. I was like, okay, this is a cool business model I'm in. And then I just jumped into it. Um, there were, it was interesting just jumping into it. I mean, there were, there was a lot of pluses there, but there was also negatives to that. I'm in finance, uh, financial stuff is one of them. Right. Cause right. I didn't, I didn't sit down and and march out the finances. Now I'm glad I did it anyways because I wouldn't be where I am today without doing that. And right. um, you know, so I, I definitely agree that it should be um, you should do your research. You should dive in and figure out what you're getting yourself into. Figure out the finances. That's one thing that I would definitely recommend from me personally was. Do a little bit more research on the finances before you dive in and time commitments, stuff like that. But beyond that, just jump in and do it, you know? Yeah. And that, and that's it. You know, and like I mentioned earlier, I've been in emergency services my entire life. Mm -hmm. I could sit in a cubicle if you, if you paid me and, and all of my law enforcement's patrol. Um, yeah. I've never been a detective or an administration or anything like that. And, um, my biggest challenge was, I don't know anything else, but look at what we do. Yeah. What we just talked about, we know how to research, we know how to get into things, we know how to plan, mm -hmm. we know how to work crazy schedules. What I'm learning is that us as first responders, we have a whole lot of marketable skill sets. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, I really believe entrepreneurship is, is, one of those that, that we're, we kind of all have in us. I think so. I agree. And, you know, you, we talk about, uh, I think a few episodes ago, we were talking about just some of the, the traits that a typical first responder would have. And 
when you look at the entrepreneurial world, um, you know, you can't, you can't go into it thinking that everything's going to go perfect, right? Just like any kind of emergency scene that you or I go on, it's right. not going to go perfect. There's exactly. always going to be something that happens that maybe it's not detrimental, right? It could just be something minor, but there's always something that potentially goes wrong, right? And then what do we do um, in the meantime? You and I are training to figure out, okay, we and we plan for those uh, those rare instances that occur, you know, during an emergency incident, right? Mm -hmm. And th the same is true in the entrepreneurial world. You know, you have when you when you make a decision, it's important to figure out, okay, what what are the potential consequences of this decision? Like when I give a medicine in the back of an ambulance, what what what's a potential reaction to that medicine, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. what am I going to do to combat that immediately if if they had that adverse reaction? So um, the same is true in the entrepreneurial world. I mean, you can't plan for every single thing in the world, but if you find out, if you do a little research and find out those common issues with whatever decision you're going to make, you're probably going to end up a little bit, you know, a little bit better than you would without planning. No, I couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely. And, you know, and in the case with starting a, a horse business is, yeah, you're going to have, obviously you're dealing with clients and horses. And um, uh, so for instance, if I'm teaching a school and I have a, an officer who's made a mounted unit and oh my God, dream come true. And they show up with his horse. It's like, oh boy. Um, yeah, this one, you know, go give it to a rodeo school. That's where it belongs. And um, so what am I going to do? Just tell this guy to go home and no, sorry. So sorry. Now I, I bring a couple horses. I put him on a trained horse and, and, and build them from there. You know, we can come back and and you, you got to have these different directions that you're willing to go and you've got to be very flexible um, with yeah. your business. Um, typically, the horse industry, it, you know, it, it's um, disposable income. And well, right now, things are a little tight for people. So, um, you know, maybe maybe it's not going to maybe maybe it's not going to be as lucrative as I'd like it to be for a while. And you, you have to be able to weather those storms. But like you said, you know, we show up on an accident scene and you, know, you get two car um, minor injury accident. And you get there and there's six cars and carnage everywhere. So I well, really wasn't planning on this when I got here, but we make do. And the right. sheer nature of, of what we do makes us actually, I think, pretty good at that. Yeah, it's it's adaptation, right? And yes. that's a perfect example, right? You get dispatched and you're told it's a two car minor accident with air, airbag deployment. Oh, okay. You know, probably BS. And, you know, you're probably going to be getting a couple of refusals. You're doing a quick report on your end and we're going to be out of there. Right. Right. And you pull up and it's just, like you said, there's six cars is mayhem. People are laying on the road. It's like, where, where did that information come from? That is not what I was planning for. And where are those big red trucks and turn them sideways. <laughs> right. Yep. And, uh, but it's, it's adaptation, you know, it's, it's okay situation changed now i have to adapt and i gotta figure it out because they called us to fix it right? right we're not calling somebody else to fix us right so, exactly. you know we have to be those uh those people with these kinds of mindsets because if you don't you're gonna you're gonna fail especially yeah. as a first responder you really are and you know and another thing i'm learning too is um don't um don't listen to the naysayers and don't worry about what other people are doing because people have asked me, well, what is, uh, you know, A, B, and C trainers out there? Well, why are they doing this? What are they doing? I, I need to worry about what I'm doing. 
Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, there's some, there's some really good trainers out there. And what we're we're getting into also is um, we're seeing a lot of civilian trainers claiming to do police training. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, what qualifies you to do that? I'm, I mean, I'm a Colorado Post full skills instructor. I got a nice, uh, cool certificate on my I love me wall. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what if we get, you know, I've done some expert work in court. If we get into court, it's maybe not going to work so well for you. Yeah. So, rather than tell somebody, oh, that guy doesn't know what he's doing. And I don't, I think it's important that we, especially as first responders, we never talk bad about each other. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it's just poor business. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, I, I had to step back and say, well, I'm not going to worry about what the guy down the street's doing. Um, you know, who's probably never even been close to a, a police horse. Um, I'm just going to worry about what I'm doing. I'm going to put out the best product I can. And I, I had to really focus myself on, you know, we're going to worry about Joe. We're not going to worry about Bill, Fred, and Ted down the street. I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's there, and, and you're always going to have naysayers. There's, it, it, especially as you become more successful and you, mm-hmm. your names start getting out there and, and, and everything else. And they're going to be like, oh, well, Joe doesn't know what he's talking about. Joe doesn't, Joe doesn't know shit, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah. how do you know? You don't know Joe, right? Like it's, you know, and people do it to, to get a rise out of other people. People do it because they don't know what the hell they're talking about. And they think they do, you know, and they're not an expert. Like you said, it could be a civilian that's, that's trying to teach mounted police tactics. Well, right. How do you know you, you're not a law enforcement officer? You never were. So how right. can you how can you claim to teach and how can you claim furthermore to know more than Joe? You know, <laughs> right. and then, and then uh, yeah, a lot of people can teach the sensory training. People call it desensitizing, but I always tell people that uh, uh, the time you have a desensitized horse is the time you're laying on your back looking up at it, saying, mm-hmm. "Well, I thought you were desensitized." Um, <laughs> you know, that, that's the big thing right now is desensitizing horses and. You know, different people have different ways of going about it. I don't, I don't hit horses or beat them. Or I mean, I, mm-hmm. again, coming from the first responder world, we have partners we work with. My partner just happens to weigh a thousand pounds, um, yeah. and and you've got to be a partner and and you got to work with them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that just lends itself to the I'm finding down my journey the whole uh, the whole entrepreneurial. Everything is just just find good people to to hang around with and become partners. Yeah, I agree. And and like you said, uh, going back to your to your point about you know not not talking bad about one another and you know especially in public safety, right? Um, right. I mean, we're all you know in it together, even whether it's red, blue, or any other color. And um, you know, but wh- even when you're talking about your competitors in business, you know, I always I always felt like if someone were to come to me, which has happened with me in my per- in my business, when someone says, Hey, Ryan, this marketing company sucks, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, do you know anything about them? You know, I've just had this awful experience, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm sorry you had that experience. Um, I know of them, but I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and bad mouth them because I don't know. I don't know the whole story. And right. um, even if I did, I, I'm I'm going to take the higher road. I'm not going to sit there and, you know, talk shit about somebody else. I'd rather just focus on me and my business and make sure I'm doing the right thing for my clients and um you know, all that good stuff, but I I I feel that 
not, or keeping that or keeping your head held high and um, taking that higher road, being the better person is is by far going to um, outweigh, you know, talking crap about uh, your competitors, even though maybe they maybe they deserve it. Right. It doesn't matter. Well, you'll get the reputation as as a straight shooter. Exactly. Uh, and and uh, you know, especially in, you know, in the first responder world, reputation's everything. Oh yeah. Uh, and it's a small world. It, it is a very small world, and uh, you know. It, if somebody comes to me and says, well, you know, I need help training my uh, cutting horse or my reining horse. Um, I say, Oh, okay. That's great. Well, let me give you a couple of phone numbers. Cause I'm not your man. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you, and you'll find that when you start networking with, with all kinds of people, uh, whether it's in the first responder community or outside, um, but that, that comes back to you. And mm -hmm. uh, people are calling me and saying, Hey, I talked to, to so-and-so and I have this going on with um, my horse. Uh, is, is there something you can help me with? Sometimes there is. And sometimes I'm, you know, I'm going to refer him to somebody else. Sure. And, and uh, again, you know, we can talk about it all day, but reputation, I think, I think is everything. It is. And it precedes you, you know, and like you, like we talked about the public safety is a very small world, whether you're in fire, police, dispatching, you know, anything like that. If you're, in, if you're a member of the military, it's still a small world. You yeah. know, it could, we could be tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands strong, but somebody knows somebody, it always works that way. <laughs> you know, you know, and, and, and another thing that, um, I'm really starting to, to, to get into a little bit with my business. I haven't started much of it yet is, um, the concept of giving back. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, if I have police officers that I work with firefighters, uh, you know, have a bad day or whatever. It's like, hey, you want to come out and brush a horse? Um, and um, we've done, uh, my unit here this month did uh, some work with um, the Special Olympics. And awesome. so we're doing some, some. Uh, you know, we want to start uh, probably next year. Uh, we've got to get all of our ducks in a row to have uh, special needs schools come out and um, hang out with the horses and meet the horses and stuff. And not, yeah. charge, you know, not charge for that. That and, is really cool. And that's, um, you know, and I think that we're in a unique position that we've given, we've given all of our lives. Yeah, it doesn't need to stop just because you start a business. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, so if you were to give, uh, you know, throughout your entire 38 plus years of, uh, law enforcement, and now you, you started this new venture that, uh, hopefully is going to carry you, uh, you know, for a long time throughout retirement, um, you know, as long as you want it, obviously. Um, you know, you, you have a lot of uh, experience behind you. If you were to give, if somebody were to come to you and said, hey, Joe, I want to start a business. Um, I'm looking at my, I'm coming up on retirement. I want to start a business and um, I just don't know where to go or how to start. Is there something that comes to mind um, quicker than not? um a tip or anything that you could give what do you like to do um because as we're approaching retirement um I, we've given you know we've given a lot and um i think we owe it to ourselves as first responders to to go into retirement um, with smiles on our faces and um you know first of all find find what you want to do what are you passionate about and um and see where um see where a business can fit into that market, whether it's 
Um, you know, I know SWAT guys that have, uh, you know, they're, they're into the tactical gear and stuff and, you know, they may start a small store or, or something like that or develop tactical gear and that's their thing. Uh, um, so what are, what are you passionate about? What, what are your interests? Um, if you're interested in, um, you know, in computers, well, it's never too late to start learning. Um, you know, start, start computers. If you're, you know, interested in uh, sports, um, particular sport, you know, get with a sports team or something say, Hey, you got a place for me. Um, and, uh, and, and get out and research what's out there, what you're interested in, because you're not, I don't think you're going to continue to do it with the drive. You need to succeed unless you're enjoying doing what you do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you know, you talk about passion and, um, find out what, what drives you and, and where that, you know, what fuels that passion, right? Is there, is there a particular commitment behind it that you made at some point in time? You know, one of the things that we do um, at our marketing agency is we come up with a commitment and, you know, what is that commitment? Like mine was to live a life of servitude and make a positive impact uh, for others. And um, I literally live my entire life by that uh, yeah. commitment, whether I'm doing this podcast, whether I'm at the firehouse or, you know, not, I'm, family life or charity life, you know, what, whatever it is, I, I, that's what drives me. And it seems, you know, I, I ask, I ask some guests about it. Um, and it seems like probably half know what that commitment is and half don't, which is fine. It's okay. okay to, sure. It's okay to not know. Yeah. And I, you know, and I, at the end of the day, if I'm okay with the man upstairs and the man in the mirror, then it was a good day. Um, and, and really, you know, you bring up a good point. I mean, what, what is your commitment? Why are you doing it? What are you committed to? Mm -hmm. um, and I couldn't agree with you more. And again, servitude, uh, part of what we do is we've always given back. Don't stop. Don't stop when you start a business. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, Joe, if people need to want to look you up, um, whether it's uh, horse training or whether it's, uh, you know, they thought uh, or something in your story sparked a question, anything like that, where would people go to find you to contact you? Uh, they can go to my website, which is www.internationalmounted.com. Um, or they can shoot me an email at guncop, G-U-N-C-O-P at comcast.net. And um, I'd love to interact with just anybody. <laughs> we're all, we're all just together. And, uh, you know, whether it's an entrepreneur or, uh, or, uh, you know, especially the first responders. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what we'll do is we'll put all of that information in the show notes. And if somebody would like to contact Joe, um, you know, about anything that we talked about, uh, they need advice on something, um, you know, especially when it comes to, uh, mounted police, uh, please reach out to him, check out his business. Um, Joe, it was a pleasure to have you on my friend. Um, I'm glad we connected. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll have you on again in the future. Sounds good, Ryan. Thanks. It was a pleasure to meet you, and I'm uh, happy to be on. All right. Thanks, Joe. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to the First Do Entrepreneurs podcast. If you like our show, please hit that subscribe button below and leave a five-star review. If you're a first responder that also runs a business or maybe you're looking to start a business, check out our Facebook group for tips. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.